Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, where we take you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and I hope you enjoyed part one of Kendall Caulfield's story. If you haven't listened, I encourage you to go back because we're picking up today with part two. In this episode, we're going to hear from Kendall on how the Lord sustained he and his team when the Ebola outbreak overwhelmed Liberia in 2014. I also had the chance to talk to him about his current role at International Headquarters, where he mentors our staff that leads our country offices all over the world. Kendall has high hopes for the next generation of faithful servants who will answer the call to work at Samaritan's Purse. Now to pick up where we left off. So, like you said, you had come after the, you know, responding primarily to the civil crisis and, you know, allowing people to, as they were trying to um, heal and rebuild, and I know the wounds are ongoing. Your programming was was growing as the needs grew, but then Ebola hit, and you were not, you did not foresee that. So, I think that's what God does, you know, sometimes He allows us, as you mentioned, to get in somewhere ahead of time, build rapport, you know, you have the local church, move into remote areas that you may not have chosen, but he led you there, and then he bull ahead. So maybe tell me what year did, was that? How long had you been there? And yeah, what was that like going through that unknown, terrifying mm. disease? Right. So we'd been in country nine and a half years mm. when Ebola, um, the outbreak began in West Africa. Uh, it was around 2014. And... um I can still feel in my stomach the feeling I had when I got the phone call from our base manager up in FOIA. Hmm. And he said, you know, Kendall, um, I think we have a case in the hospital here of Ebola. Hmm. And, of course, my mind kind of went to what I thought Ebola was and, you know, through movies I'd watched and stuff like that. But... My first reaction was, no, it's not true because Ebola has not been in West Africa. It's been in East Africa and it, you know, there's been no history of it Mm. here. So I'm sure it's not. Um, but it was. Mm. (laughs) And, and so it was, what do we do? And of course, I'm so thankful for our headquarters and our leadership at headquarters because I reached out to them immediately and, um, We had technical advisors that were able to give us some guidance right off the bat. And basically, the guidance was, if it's true, you need to keep everybody up there Mm -hmm. and they can't move because that's how it spreads. And and so, the first weeks of it were really challenging because people were afraid. Mm -hmm. My staff were afraid. And we were telling them that you can't leave. Mm-hmm. And their families were in Monrovia, our national staff, some of their families. And we had a couple of international staff up there, and we we're just saying, you have to stay put. Uh, and of course, it, 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 the numbers grew really quickly mm-hmm. around our compound. And so, um, I, I mean, right from the get-go, I, we wouldn't know what, we wouldn't have known what to do without kind of the support we had from our headquarters here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, it just spread. It was a perfect storm, you know, poor infrastructure, uh, just a population that moves um, very mobile, no healthcare system, coupled with traditional thoughts, you know, and, and practices that made it impossible to typically how you would, you know, you would isolate and mm-hmm. you wouldn't allow 
it to spread that would went against everything of the culture and so it it all of a sudden it was in Monrovia and we knew we were in trouble mm -hmm. um many organizations left at that point uh while they could still get out while there were still commercial flights and availability mm. um and as samaritan's purse does they they wanted to stay they wanted to continue to help mm -hmm. um at that point we weren't thinking of responding clinically we were just you know, what do we need to do in terms of mm -hmm. maybe awareness and communication mm -hmm. and those type of things. But at that point, there was very few organizations in the world, maybe one that actually responded. And they came to mm. us and said, we can't, we're, we're overburdened, we're dealing with this in Guinea and Sierra Leone, we can't in Liberia, and we think Samaritan's Purse should. Wow. And you know, again, Project's leadership, Ken Isaac, Edward Densham, um, I believe prayed and mm -hmm. decided that we would respond. And so we agreed to clinically take on some of the response if this organization would train us. Mm. And so they did. They trained us and to the best of the ability. Of course, that training was a couple of weeks. <laughs> Crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. And then we started responding uh, clinically, and we had volunteer doctors and nurses come over to to help with it. And so it was, uh, I mean, it was crazy that we did it. Mm -hmm. But in hindsight, again, I think the Lord was in it. You know, I, I tell people now that we will never experience an Ebola outbreak like that again because of the work that God allowed us to be part of, you know, which resulted in Camp Brantley, mm -hmm. Nancy Wrightball, you know, the development of um, ZMAP therapeutics. And so now people can be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. But that all came uh, through God leading our leadership to clinically respond. Mm. Um, and when I look back on that, it just, you know, again, we went there in 2004 not knowing what we're doing, and now through incredible doctors and nurses and, and mm -hmm. wise leadership, God allowed us to be critical to ensure that this never happens again. Um, and when I look back on it, um, there were times when I questioned God, when I was extremely fearful. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw what it did to my family, um, but God was faithful. When I look at the big picture, that's what I see. Mm -hmm. You know, the obedience of leadership, our willingness to respond, God was faithful to us. And, you know, the Camp Brantley testimony, you know, will forever mm -hmm. be a foundation for me going forward. And, mm -hmm. you know, God is faithful and He, he will bring us through this. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think in a couple of weeks, Bev is doing training to um, on Ebola, mm. you know. And so, again, I think God has just used these different scenarios to develop 
our strength as an organization mm -hmm. to share Jesus's love in some of these, you know, mm -hmm. places where it's just, yeah, it, it, it's needed most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I encourage people listening. If you if you haven't heard any of these names that he's sharing, you know, we, there's a movie Facing the Darkness, mm -hmm. you know, that it shows you tells you what what happened. Um, I encourage you to to watch that, read Kent Brantley's book. Uh, but those are our staff that contracted the disease, you know. Um, and so it, I think, yeah, looking back, it's it's easier to see God's hand, you know. Mm -hmm. But I know in the storm, in the midst of it, and there's questioning God. And um, was there particular scripture? I know prayer. You know, our team's praying here, praying around the world. Um, I know the Lord worked in mighty ways. Like you said, looking back, it's easy to see God's hand. And and now what we've done with COVID and infectious diseases and the training and, and the ways that he has used, you know, I think of mm -hmm. that verse, you know, God, um, man meant for evil, but God mm -hmm. used it for good, you know, in Joseph's life for, for his purposes. And so suffering produces character, character mm -hmm. produces uh, hope. Um, you know, we know that, but in the middle of it, sometimes it's hard to see that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, what did God give you? What your team? I know there was probably so much, right? But is there anything now that you can share? Because I just think of people that are maybe in the storm right now; mm -hmm. they don't have that mm -hmm. view back. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. did He carry you in those days? The scripture that He will never leave us or mm -hmm. forsake us. Mm -hmm. um, we just had to keep coming back to it. Uh, there's a many people were impactful uh, during that time. I'll mention Karen Daniels. When I was losing it, fearful, um, not sure we can continue on, she would come to me and say, uh, remember the science and remember that God is always here with us. Mm. Um, and she probably said that to me 25 times, like just keep reminding me of it. And I think mm. that's important that when you get into these crisis situations, then you might not have time to really go into some in-depth research mm -hmm, in a scripture, mm -hmm. but pull out that simple truth, I will never leave you. And um, and I, I just had to keep coming back to that. I kept on hearing my mother, my mom is a, a woman of faith, and um, sometimes it bothered me how simple her faith was, but it wasn't, it was simple, but it was extremely deep. And she would say, all things work together for good. Mm -hmm. And I just kept on hearing that. I'm like, there's mm -hmm. no way, but you know, we'll test that on this one, but all things will work together for good to those that love God and called according to his purpose. Um, John Freiler was our member care out there, and he would read scripture us all the time. Um, Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Um, I remember somebody telling me, you're, you're, you're walking through it. You'll, this, the verse doesn't say, you're in it, you'll never get out. Mm -hmm. it's, you'll walk through this, you know. So those are things that I can recall from it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was the simple truths that helped me get mm -hmm. through it, uh, mm -hmm. truths like that. Mm -hmm. um, I remember my mom saying to, you know, there's no safer place to be than in the middle of where God has willed you to be. And I knew that's where he wanted us, but mm -hmm. so that's where we were going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, you know, it was challenging. I was convinced Bev was going to get it. Mm. You know, she was brave. She was going into the unit. Mm -hmm. I mean, she 
learned how to put on the protective equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was sure she was going to contract Ebola, especially after Kent and Nancy mm-hmm. and, you know, those type of things. But, um, yeah, I just kept coming back to those truths. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Mm-hmm. And you're walking through it. I'm your shepherd. Um, and then just, I, yeah, I can't say I sensed people praying, but I knew they were, mm-hmm. you know, and that was encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, the courage. I mean, who signs up to go to fight Ebola mm-hmm. on a voluntary basis, mm-hmm. except the fact that you love Jesus and mm-hmm. want to care for people? Mm-hmm. And I would look at them just going like, mm-hmm. like why are you here? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've been blessed to serve with incredible people. Mm-hmm. I know, and that's why I love talking to our staff and and just people that, you're right, run into the fire, run into the danger, the unknown. Uh, they truly lay down their lives, you know, that we use it, we watch Jesus, you know, yeah. that was his model. He didn't come to be served, but to mm-hmm. serve, you know, and, and that is what Samaritan's Purse does. And it is, it's, that's why my favorite people are the ones that have, you know, really risked their own life mm-hmm. um, to share the gospel. Um, so, now you've left, um you moved back to Boone. You know, you've had m- multiple roles throughout the ministry, but I guess I just love your perspective because you have been with the ministry for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. So you've watched a lot of things change uh, logistically and, you know, pro, you know, in the the details, but the, the main thing has never changed, you know, mm-hmm. the gospel. So I guess just talk to me about, yeah, how you've watched the ministry grow in many ways, but stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Yesterday, I was down in Greensboro mm-hmm. and was able to just see um, the capabilities of our aviation and mm-hmm. our. Um, and I was just reminded mm-hmm. of how God has blessed in so many ways this organization. But as I'm standing there looking at this very large airplane, mm-hmm. um, I checked for something. Uh, and I wanted to make sure on the side of the new plane that we have just purchased, mm-hmm. there was um, written helping in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting because it was blocked by the stairs. I thought it's got to be there mm-hmm. because that's who we are. It's mm-hmm. got to be there. And so I walked around the nose of the new plane and there it was on that side. Mm-hmm. And it just was encouraging because our mission has never changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I've just reread the book, the one thing I do about Bob Pierce, mm-hmm. and it was encouraging for me to read it because it just reminded me again and again the this organization was birthed for the purpose of sharing the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel, mm-hmm. and I know that looks different in many different situations, and even in Bob Pierce's experience, it it it, it might have meant providing food or this one story sticks in my mind he bought two horses for two nurses because they were walking six hours Hmm. to go and serve and that's that was the gospel and and it's not that that's where it ends but that's who we are you know he bob pierce reminds us that we want to meet the immediate needs so we can meet the greatest need Mm -hmm. um there's a quote that his daughter it's quoted saying his daughter was on a mission trip with him and said, Dad, you're not just going to pray with these people, are you? Mm. You know, and so I just thank the Lord for the 
determination to which we have stuck to who we are. Mm -hmm. And the greatest need is that people need to hear about Jesus. But they have immediate needs, mm -hmm. and, and we want to meet those needs as well. We want to provide that water, that safety, that protection, and, and you know, we want to work with the church when we can and when that's appropriate. But from what I've seen in this organization from January 5th, 2005 to today, that has never changed. Our mission is the same, and it, I think it's imperative that we keep that because I believe that's what through Bob Pierce and then through leadership now, that's who we are and that's what we need to be faithful to. And mm -hmm. I, I never want to see us lose that. Mm -hmm. um, but what God has also done is He's given us incredible resources mm -hmm. that just make us efficient in that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can now obediently respond and be there, mm -hmm. you know, at the point of need. Um, because of the just generosity of donors, because of God's blessing, um, our, I don't even know how many staff we have now, but we're, we're very big. But we just had orientation devotions, and we're reminded of the calling that God has given to us, even as we bring new people in. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I just, I'm so thankful for the growth. I'm thankful for the resources. I'm thankful for the efficiency mm -hmm. uh, with which we can do things. Um, we do them with quality. We do them with amazing people. Mm -hmm. But I know that I can go to any country office mm -hmm. and there's a purpose around the gospel for why they're there and what they're planning. And in my role now, I, I, I'm blessed to be able to work with country leadership mm -hmm. and I help them think through how God is calling them as a, a team in that country office. And um, our leaders out there understand who we are, and the gospel is at the center of it. Mm -hmm. and, and so, I have great hope of how God is going to continue to use this organization, um, mm -hmm. because I think it's all about the gospel. Yesterday, I was reading Psalm 143, and I just loved verse 8 that said, Let me experience your faithful love in the morning, for I trust you. Reveal the way I should go, because I appeal to you. Mm. And I think, and I'm glad you brought up your current role and the way that you you love to mentor and, mm -hmm. and challenge leaders, mm -hmm. um, and you're a godly leader. And Bev, same. She is mentor, loves to mentor and share. And, and I think this verse, I just thought of our leadership, because anytime mm -hmm. I bring someone in and ask, how can we pray or what can we do? And they say, pray for wisdom, mm -hmm. you know, and God's, mm -hmm. God's wisdom and, and revelation. Like you said, we have kept the main thing, the main thing, gospel oriented, all of our leaders. That is, that is their goal. And mm -hmm. they seek the Lord, you know, reveal the way I should go. Mm -hmm. I'm appealing to you, Lord, mm -hmm. for your, clarity, your favor, your mm -hmm. wisdom. So I guess just to close, because you do, you you work with all our leaders all around the world, and so you have a handle on on who's carrying out the work. And that's mm -hmm. why I love these podcasts. We get to introduce you to our staff uh, that is going and, and, and carrying out the work. Um, so maybe, I guess, to close, how can we be praying, um, and how do you challenge them to lead in difficult times, you know, mm -hmm. and stay reliant and dependent on the Lord, as that verse says? Yeah. Um, I love what I do now. Mm -hmm. I, I'm thankful for, you know, we've talked about my beginnings working with Samaritan's Purse, and I've loved every stage that God has allowed me to serve in, and now I love this 
mm. place he has me in because I, I get to learn with the leadership around the world. And we're currently studying humility mm. with the country directors. We've just launched into it, which is an interesting mm. competency to look at together. But um, the, the, the premise around it is that the closer we come to Jesus, mm. the more humble we're going to be. And so humility is not you know, a prescriptive competency, but it has to do with your relationship with the mm -hmm. Lord and, and your desire and determination to draw closer to Him is going to result in humility. Um, and so when I think of our leadership out there, my biggest prayer is always just draw them, Lord, to you, mm -hmm. uh, because that's, that's where they will find the resources for the fruit that's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, we have incredible gifted uh, leaders that, you know, are just phenomenal. But my prayer is draw them close to you, Lord. Just mm -hmm. draw them closer to you. Another book that I'm reading um, was talking about the urgency of the time. Mm. And the book draws us to the scripture in 2 Timothy 4, where Paul is, is kind of commissioning Timothy, like pushing him and, and this is what it says in, in verse 5. I wrote down some key principles, but it, Paul tells Timothy, keep your head, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all duties of ministry. Mm. What I hear there is, hey, mm -hmm. there's, there's an urgency. Keep your head about you, but there's going to be hardship. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is the work we do where we should expect it. You know, it's going to be. But do the work of an evangelist, which is our mission. Tell people about Jesus. And whatever tools you have, discharge all of it. Like, do all of it. You know, use all of it. And so, I I think of the scripture verse about the fields are ripe. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity. And we're going to meet immediate needs for the opportunity to be able to meet the greatest need. And so, my prayer for the organization would be, Lord, keep us on mission. Mm -hmm. Keep providing us with resources to do your work. Help us with humility. Help us to be humble. Lord, help us to endure those hardships that are coming. Help us to be the evangelists that you've asked us to mm -hmm. be. And uh, Lord, whatever you put in our hands, we're going to use it mm -hmm. to do it. And so that's that's my prayer. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Kendall. I know we often take people on the ground, you know, into the into the field, but today I love just kind of diving back with you, you know, on your perspective over the years of ministry and allowing people to see the hearts of our staff. So thank you so much. Is there anything else? I just encourage people to continue to pray for our leadership. Mm -hmm. I that's kind of impressed on me in the last couple of weeks that um our arena is getting more challenging to operate in. Um, and, you know, we we just encourage biblically to pray for our leadership. And so I would encourage others to pray for those that are leading this organization. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I want to say that and mm -hmm. just I give God all the glory for anything. I, I don't want people to think of Bev and Kendall. I want them to know mm -hmm. that it's God who has worked through Bev and Kendall, and um, I pray that God continues to work through us. But I'm encouraged by, um, I think it was your husband, Edward, who said about the 
uh, interns as they were leaving that he has great hope for this generation. Mm-hmm. And so um, some of us are getting a little bit long in the tooth, and but there's a generation coming that God's going to use them. Mm-hmm. And so our job now is to continue to prepare for their leadership that mm-hmm. will take place. I hope Kendall's story encouraged you as much as it did me. Please pray for Kendall as he equips our staff to help in Jesus' name. Also pray for Samaritan's staff that they would continue to draw near the Lord, that they would seek Him in wisdom, pursue humility, and keep the mission of sharing the gospel at the forefront. We don't know what lies ahead, but we know that we can always depend on our Savior for strength and guidance. And if you want to learn more about Samaritan's Purse response to Ebola in Liberia, check out the documentary Facing Darkness. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great week.